Congratulations, grads. Now toss those caps skyward. This time on Poll Hub, as college graduation season and high school graduation season is upon us, we're looking at what the pandemic has done to college admissions. Is Gen Z losing interest in higher ed? Then most of us probably think we do a pretty good job of recycling between the various kitchen bins we have and those outside containers for plastics and paper and metal. But there's a sad reality to what's really happening to all that stuff in many cases. We're gonna discuss. And then back to the season of graduations and the end of the school year, our fun fact is right on time and from the distant past. So let's get to it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper. I'm Barbara Carvalho. I'm Mary Griffith. And I am Lee Marienhaus. Well, graduating seniors, not just at Marist, but across the country, are celebrating their accomplishments and their hard work. But are America's youth choosing another path, one that doesn't necessarily include a college degree? Well, the undergraduate enrollment rate, according to uh, data from the National Student Clearinghouse, has dropped eight percentage points from 2019 to 2022. And that's even with classes returning to in-person learning post-pandemic. Now, the numbers show that there has been an uptick in applications for 2023 to 2024. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that more students are applying. It's just that they're applying to more schools. And of course, there is a great deal of financial investment when it comes to a college education. So, Barb, what do you think? This is a topic you and I have talked about a little bit. Um, do you think that that younger Americans just don't see the value in investing their time and effort in college? You know, it's interesting, Mary. We, we also did a survey of Americans uh, earlier this year um, in conjunction um, with the, uh, the, 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 the National Association of uh, Universities, Independent Universities and Colleges, to find out what Americans um, think of, of a college education uh, and their impressions of um, a college education. And one of the things we did find is that although a majority, in fact, almost six in 10, 58% of Americans have a favorable impression of, of colleges and getting a college education. That has been somewhat on the decline. Um, there, um, the numbers that we see uh, probably about a decade ago uh, were uh, in the in the mid in the mid sixties to two thirds or seven in ten. So there certainly has been somewhat of a change, and a, a number of uh, people point to the fact of the explosive. Um, change in the cost of, of an education, which certainly, as we know here, uh, working at Marist College, you know, not only, you know, expenses, um, you know, have uh, skyrocketed and so has tuition. Um, but, um, the, you know, the thing is that Americans do see a great value um, in a college education. I thought what was interesting in our poll was first that, um, of course, people think that if they get a college degree, it will expand their career options. That was the number one benefit, main benefit that people saw of a college degree. Uh, the second was, and, uh, was personal growth. Uh, the third was earning potential. So we kind of have, you know, one and three career and money. And then the fourth was critical thinking. So we kind of have a, you know, a one, three, two, four here 
um, where you have a, a large proportion of Americans who see it not only as a, a way to get ahead economically, but certainly as a way to develop uh, their, their personal growth and critical thinking. And one of the things that I think surprised everybody in this poll was that one in 10 Americans actually pointed to networking as the main benefit to a college education. And I, I think that that's a really important point to the degree that regardless of the college that you choose, well, um, even if you um, go to just a college that is local you know, to your area or a community college to get an associate's degree, um, you are connecting um, with people that you may never come across um, otherwise. And uh, regardless of the kind of business or opportunities that you want to take advantage, if you want to start your own business, um, it really gives you a kind of a leg up, a foot in the door uh, to be able to, to uh, connect with people early on in their careers um, as well. So I, I think that, um, you know, it's an interesting uh, perhaps disconnect uh, for, for many people. Um, they're looking at the short-term costs, which can be overwhelming. Um, and um, the, a lot of the data does point to uh, the fact that it changes the trajectory of one's life to to have the college experience. Rather, you know, whether it's local or in a far-off place, um, it's a it's a it's a very uh, different uh, experience, but certainly um, one that I think, particularly post pandemic, when people are evaluating a lot of their choices and priorities, it may be something that Gen Z may want to put off for a while. In other words, it's not college, no college. It may be maybe college. Let me you know, let me do some other things. Let me let me go into the work world. Let me. Uh, perhaps take advantage of some, some other opportunities that I have because of my age, um, and then think about college. Yeah, the pandemic really was earth-shaking, not just for students at the college level, but also at the high school level as well. I mean, they saw their learning style change um, during the pandemic. 84% of undergraduate institutions moved their classes to online and um, either online only. There was some hybrid um, as well. So there was a lot of time for everyone to um, reassess their priorities. And Gen Z is not isolated from that as well. I do want to take a moment and bring in Athan Hollis, our producer, who will be a senior here uh, in Marist College in the fall. And Athan, you've had the unique and perhaps daunting experience of graduating from high school and entering uh, Marist or entering college during the height of the pandemic. And so it's been a very long time since I have been in college and had to make the decision to uh, which school to go to. But I'm sure that that was exacerbated uh, for you during the tension of the pandemic. Welcome to uh, the, the other side of the podcast today. Yeah, um, I definitely think, well, so I was a senior in high school when the pandemic started and it completely changed my senior year. And the height of the pandemic was when I was deciding on schools and it not only like changed what school I decided to go to, but it also changed like the amount of acceptances that I had. I know like pretty much all my friends, like our acceptances changed. Like when the pandemic hit, schools were accepting a lot less kids um, and they were waitlisting a lot more people. So it definitely changed like where we got into and it definitely changed where I chose to go to because 
I chose Marist because I had family that was close by and it was closer than some of the other options. I didn't really want to be close to home, but I chose a school that was closest of the faraway options. And I think a lot of people chose similar options where they had family nearby and where it wasn't as far away from home. Was there ever a point where you felt that perhaps college was not the best option given the pandemic or that you were going to put your college plans on hold? Um, I thought about a gap year, but I, I know for me, I have always really, really wanted to go to college. And that was something that I was looking forward to. So I didn't want to put it on hold for another year. But I I know a lot of people in my high school took a gap year or decided that the pandemic made them not want to go to college at all. And I don't know, I think that taking a gap year during that first year probably could have been beneficial because I know I didn't really get the full experience my freshman year. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that in terms of just the college experience and you know how you had to adapt, um, not just as a freshman in college, which is hard to begin with, but also the uh, heightened circumstances of the pandemic. Yeah, I think I spent a lot of time in my dorm and I had like one group of friends and it was extremely hard. As you said, like most people chose to go to college because of networking. It was almost impossible to do that. I couldn't talk to any of my professors because we were only in person one day, like every other week. And I never talked during Zoom because it was just like a weird environment to be like social in. It just made it extremely difficult to connect with peers and to connect with like your professors. And it made it very hard to like join clubs, to get like a job. It made it just very hard to do anything that like you would normally want to do um, in the college experience. It made it very hard to network and very hard to like branch out. So what do you take away, though, from the experience that that you had? It was a very tough time. And I think you are certainly not alone, not only for your generation, but across generations and noting the incredible disruption that we all experienced globally from the pandemic. But are there some takeaways that you feel that you are now bringing with you as you approach, you know, graduation soon? Um, I think I'm very like adaptable now. I think I can adapt to a lot of different situations. Um, I think that like, I would say like my class, class of 2020 and class of 2024 in college, I think as a whole is probably very good at networking and doing everything in like a very short period of time. I think since we lost that kind of whole freshman year and part of sophomore year, um, I tried to like push in a lot into what I had left. I think I'm very good at Zoom now, so I've got that. (laughs) Well, actually, we are having this conversation on Zoom. So you have learned to speak very well on Zoom. Absolutely. And Ethan, just to broaden it out a little bit, we talk about this idea of the lack of interest in college among Gen Z. Are you hearing rumblings from your friends, either either your peers or younger, saying, you know, why should I do this? I can, you know, explore my passions. But one thing I learned about from the pandemic is, you know, there's a limited, a finite amount of time, perhaps, and I need to start prioritizing and, you know, pushing my way forward. Are you hearing any of that at all? Yeah, I mean, I know, like, my parents didn't go to college, and neither did my grandparents. So, like, I'm one of the first people in my family to go to college. 
And I know a lot of my friends are kind of the same way. So it kind of feels like, you know, in previous times, you had the ability to like get a high paying job without going to college. And I think also Gen Z has a very strong opinion on like work-life balance. And I think people in my generation are starting to realize that working all the time is not what we want to do and that there's more important things like to focus on. And I think also like coming out of the pandemic, there's a lot of manufacturing jobs that pay you upwards of $20 an hour right out the gate. And I think a lot of that's very attractive to a lot of people. So I know I know a lot of people that like even like my friends, younger siblings that are graduating now that are thinking twice about going to college. It's not necessarily like you go right into it, something you think about more. Well, Ethan, I'm, I think I could speak for the entire Pole Hub um, team when I say that we are certainly glad that you decided uh, to come to Marist and made the choice that you made. And I know that we'll be hearing more from you on this side of the podcast moving forward in the future. Thanks, of course, for your observations. Thank you. So um, I, I don't think I'm alone in uh, having reconfigured my kitchen over the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years to have multiple bins, uh, not just for trash and recycling, but we also do composting. Um, where I live, we actually, we don't separate the recycling. We just put it all in one bin and then somebody, we assume, separates out that stuff. In other locations, you have to put paper in one and plastic in another and all of that. As it turns out, Americans like to recycle. According to the Carton Council of North America, but you didn't know there was one, 94% of Americans support recycling and 74% believe it is important and should be made a priority. And nearly everybody has some way to do it. You go on city streets and you see them. The problem is that back in 2018, where most of our recyclables went, which was China, stopped accepting imports for the most part of recyclables. And you may have seen it in your community. In our community, they started charging to recycle. It used to be free because the costs rose to get rid of the stuff, uh, to recycle the stuff. As it turns out, though, it may not be recycled all that much. Of the 40 million tons of plastic waste generated in the United States in 2021, only 5 to 6% of it was recycled. And the EPA hasn't even released any new data since 2018 on this. And there's been a decrease between 2019 and 2020 from other sources of data. There's been a 5.7% decrease in the plastics, that's part one part of recycling, that have been recovered from recycling. So we're trying to all do the right thing, but it doesn't seem like it's necessarily working. Lee, I'm assuming that you have bins around and you s separate your, your, your goods? Yes, I've been around. No, I'm sorry. We have bins around. Yes, that's right. Um, and that's pretty revealing and disappointing at the same time. I mean, I go back, I think, to 1970, I think, was like the first Earth Day. And I think we started consciousness raising, probably the phrase of the time, during as a result. And I think that people are very, as the numbers suggest, are very uh, much connected with the idea that this is an important thing. And people are, you know, sort of buying into it. And you know, and, and, and it seems like something that we're accomplishing. You know, I remember the, the, the good old days of smog in L.A., you know, where you could barely see anything. And not sure those were the good old days, Lee. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. The real good old days. Cough, cough. And, and I think that, you know, this is something that people think they are impacting. And yet the numbers suggest something far different because of the wet. What happens once it leaves your property? 
And so, I, you know, I find that very kind of like almost mewling a sense of cynicism. But Barb, where, where are you in all this? Well, although I think some of these numbers are somewhat bleak, and I think the technology of recycling is continuing to change. And certainly the progress that we have made over the last 50 years has been enormous. I mean, I remember, you know, going to the to the shore over the Whitestone Bridge in, in New York and not being able to see the New York City skyline because of the smog. Barris College is on the banks of the Hudson River. And the Hudson River at that time was toxic. It had very little wildlife around it or in it. Um, and it was always warning signs never to go in it. And that now is has significantly changed, including the, that even American eagles have come back to the Hudson Valley because those improvements have occurred over this time. It has certainly been a long time, but I think the vision of those early uh, tree huggers, as some people would call them, uh, really had the foresight to to keep us moving in a better direction. And I think that also we see that in public opinion. Um, certainly the idea of the environment as being a top uh, priority um, was not something that we saw decades ago. I think it is one of the number one issues among, particularly among Gen Z and millennials. Um, so we have not only changed our attitudes, but we have also changed a number of our behaviors. And perhaps one of the Best trends I think that we are seeing is that people are using fewer items that need to be recycled. So we walk around with our canisters of water that we can refill instead of plastic bottles. Um, we see paper straws, which I must say is something that I have a lot of difficulty using. Uh, I much prefer than just using a glass to a straw at all. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up with uh, probably toxic plastic straws. Yes. <laughs> uh, which, but you were so uh, happy with that. <laughs> that, that I continue, which I continue to enjoy. But, but nonetheless, I mean, I think there's, a, there's an awareness and a much greater sensitivity to, to using things that need to be recycled because of the question of whether it will be uh, and, and can be used for another purpose moving forward. Yeah, Lee, you mentioned cynicism. That was my first thought when I saw this was, wow, you know, if people really understand all the work they do or we do to separate and do all this and take it to the dump or do whatever and then find out it's just going to the waste stream, you could have a very cynical reaction. But Barb, your point, I think, is well taken, is that we are moving away from recycling as the prime objective and moving towards that. And you see that everywhere, not just in carrying around the water bottles, but you got to you go to fast food restaurants and they've replaced the plastic and the styrofoam with paper. Styrofoam. It's just, it's everywhere you look uh, to reduce. And I think that maybe is the, the positive side. The other big positive sign is we don't do a great job in plastic. Plastic's a huge problem. We've talked about the, the, the giant plastic garbage uh, swirl in the Pacific that's hundreds of miles across and all of this kind of stuff. But aluminum and paper especially cardboard, which thanks to Amazon, we see a lot of nowadays, are recycled at very, very, very high levels. So it's, I think it's a case of not all is lost, but there is, this is more, instead of being cynical about it, this is kind of a warning sign to say, hey, we're not all the way there. There's still work to be done and there's ways to do it that may be different than what we've traditionally done, which is to just say, well, 
I'm putting that piece of plastic in the in in my separation bin, and so I'm all good. Well, I would okay. say that before uh, before we end the segment, Barb, you uh, I, I know from your own lifestyle have a massive recycling uh, project that you do on, on an almost hourly basis. You care to share? Well, yes, I do have horses, and where I live, you cannot pile it higher and deeper on your property, but rather you do need to have it removed. And my container company that I use is a company that uh, recycles or repurposes a lot of uh, <laughs> Let's just uh, say recycles horse, horse, horse refuse. <laughs> um, and it does become a compost that is used uh, actually very much so in the Northeast, but around the country. Some of your recycling material is probably in our yard. Yes. Because we buy our, our compost our mulch from uh, about halfway in between you and us right? yes. up here. So yes. there could be a piece of your recycling right here. Glossy and falky. Yes, my horses. And uh, and uh, Lee is, oh, he always likes to tell everyone. Oh, that, oh, that, I was, that, uh, oh you're, taking, you're, you're jumping right into my next joke. Go ahead. You okay, do. go ahead, Lee. Uh, go I was ahead. just going to say, as we're approaching our 300th episode, I'm about to say something that uh, probably is the most newsworthy thing I've ever said on any of our podcasts, and that a horse individually produces about 50 pounds of said item a day. Uh, so you have three horses, Barb, you're generating 150 pounds, not you, but your horses are generating 150 pounds of... Uh, of well, I do take it personally. I-, I mean, I do take it personally, so there's no, uh, there's no doubt there. But one other thing I did just want to mention, too, is we were talking about the impact that the pandemic has had on Gen Z and millennials and many of us in terms of our futures. But when looking at the future, I think it's really important for Gen Z and millennials to understand the important impact they have had on moving this country toward a greater awareness of the environment and the importance of our attitudes, our perceptions, and also our behaviors. So Congrats to them, not only for what they've accomplished thus far, but for what they are going to do in the future. And I'm going to say the most absurd thing I've ever said in that I'm now going to tie our first segment of going to college with our recycling uh, issue. And I'm going to say that from the movie in the 1970s, The Graduate, haha, as in college, they say one big word is said in that, and that is, what's the future? Plastics. Well, maybe not so much. (laughs) But that's, I've now combined our first two segments. Uh, so now combine it with the third segment, the fun well, fact, which is about me, graduations. Let me look ahead and see what you've got. I know exactly what that is. That is, should summer school be reality? Boy, I, I'm going to get some uh, reaction to this, I think, as people jump in. But in 1949, even before I existed, uh, Gallup uh, did this national survey, uh, which is provided, as always, by our Roper friends at the Roper Center. Um, and the question was, it's been suggested that public schools in this country keep open year-round. This is 1949, and pupils should spend the summer months working on arts and skills such as mechanical training, woodwork, cooking, sewing, etc. What is your opinion of that suggestion? 1949, 39% of a, a national adults nationwide uh, said they thought this was a, just a great idea. 55% said not so fast uh, and opposed it. Um, my question that jumped out at me is 1949 to 2023, would this have changed and in what direction? I, I, I found this kind of interesting. What, what, what say you all? 
Mary, you've got kids, so you start. What are you kidding me? <laughs> Look, I mean, I think if if it were to gain skills, um, and it's sort of like you get credit for showing up, absolutely. Um, and maybe if I don't have to drag my kids out of bed at six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, um, sure, why not? But I think that a lot of kids these days, when you think of school and the expectations that are placed on them in terms of their workload and their homework. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot for the students. It's a lot for the parents. And I just say during the summer, let the kids be kids and let them have a good time and enjoy themselves. Well, I always think it's interesting the way the connotation of summer school kind of changes from when you're younger to how you get older. You know, when when you're younger, summer school is a, kind of a punishment. You know, it's something it's sure. something you you either failed at, didn't do particularly well in, and you need to catch up before you get to September. But later on in high school and also in college, summer school is actually an opportunity to take advantage of courses, sometimes internships and other types of travel opportunities that you don't have uh, or you're not able to do during the school year. So I just think it's, I think it's interesting the way summer school changes and then you become a parent and summer school goes back to being punitive. <laughs> But I love the way this question is asked, too. It's such a snapshot in time. Uh, what do you think of people spending the summer working on arts and mechanical training, woodwork, cooking, and sewing? It's like home ec class, but only in the summer. And it's kind of what camp is. When right. I went to Y camp, I mean, this is, we didn't work on math. We did this kind of, I mean, I didn't do much sewing. But, uh, you know, we, this is the kind of stuff we did. So it's kind of like, it's just so interesting. I love it as a question because it says to me, wow, 1949, this is what a normal question, this is what people were thinking about in summertime, which is so outside of what we would think about now in terms of an experience for kids in a school setting. I, just, I, I love this. I love this segment for that reason when we find the old question. The only thing I, I get nervous about is that when I was growing up, it, anything that took me off the baseball diamond was seen as a distraction. So, uh, you know, I don't know whether this would have something to do with that or not, but I did want to bring back Athen into the discussion for a second. Um, and when I was a youth, or as they say in the movie, a youth, uh, the, um, I would uh, use the summer because I felt it was really necessary to make money to pay for college. <laughs> to get back to our initial discussion, Athen, do you see the summer, you know, during your school years, uh, either in high school or college, as a chance to explore, develop? have fun, play baseball, uh, or a chance to, uh, to earn a little cash to offset some of the costs? Um, I would say in high school, in college, I see summer as like a good opportunity to relax, but also to replenish my savings account that I drained throughout the semester. So I would say I always have a job during the summer. So I would say it's an opportunity for me to earn um, some money, some savings, and then to empty it again throughout the year. Okay, so it's a, that's a recycling of sorts. Yeah, and somebody beat me up for that one. <laughs> no, no, you brought it full circle. This was uh, this is one of those perfect episodes ever, Lee, because you've brought us absolutely full circle. That'll do it for Pole Hub this week. Pole Hub is produced by the Maris Pole at Maris College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our production supervisor. The Pole Hub team includes Ethan Hollis and Eve Fisher. If you enjoy Pole Hub, please consider leaving a review. 
Positive reviews help other listeners like you find us. If you have questions for us, tweet them at us at Maris Poll. Remember, you can always tell your smart speaker to play Poll Hub, and with any luck, it'll cooperate. Finally, wherever you listen to Poll Hub, there is a subscribe button. Click it, and the latest episode will be ready for you in your podcast app as soon as it's released. We'll, we'll see, see you next time. time.